Welcome to Life and Leadership. I believe in creating community, connections, and creating space to be curious. This podcast aims to take you on a conscious journey through quality, diverse, innovative content and conversation. My hope is that we create a circle of influence, a transcendency of compassionate leadership in the world and wider universe. Organic dating, commonly known as making connections with potential partners via a church, community organizations, family, friends, the gym, hobbies, networking events, social introductions have all been replaced by online algorithms since 2013. This is the number one strategy. Heavens, who knew how the economics of the love market would evolve? Pew Research Survey shows 29% of never married baby boomers those born between 1946 and 1964, have used an online dating platform. Some may even have tried digital romance initiatives like site matching. That's combining sightseeing and matching before the pandemic extensively interrupt travel plans. The grandfather of online dating, Sam Yagen, an American entrepreneur, best known as the co-founder of OkCupid, and the former CEO of Match.com said, every single person is born single. Welcome. Today I have with me Rona Lewis, and we're going to touch on a little bit of history around dating and all the exciting things that we as women experience with dating. So if you think about it, organic dating typically happens through your church, your community, family, friends, gym, hobbies, high school, university, or your work. Online matchmaking started around 1993 with Match.com, and it started as a form of classified ads. And then in the 70s, Jeffrey Ullman, Valentine's Day no less, brought in video cassette dating. And then there's a great book called The Labor of Love by Moira Weigel that talks about sex and romance in modern America. So she alludes the love market has tied to the economics of love, and I say everyone's getting in. So Rona, are you enamored or disillusioned with the social media kaleidoscope of dating apps and websites? That's a big question. It's a combination. I have met some great people. I'm actually dating somebody who I met on the website, on one of the websites. I think there's a big change in what it's been like. There are more scammers than ever. That being said, there are more people on because of COVID, because people are tired of just meeting people that are just in their little circle of comfort. So they want to expand their horizons and see who else is out there. I'm disappointed in some sites, but I'm hopeful for others. Is that a fair statement? Can you give us an example of what sites you think have been helpful for you to use? Well, the guy I'm dating now and I met on Hinge which I have found to have better quality people on it. Sites like Tinder have been known for hookups, things like that. And I think they are up to a point. But when you are, you know, I'm over 50. I am happy to say that. I have found that more people are looking for love and are a little bit more serious on it. But it's still, it didn't do it for me. So I would say Hinge and Bumble have been the two that I have found the most success with. Oh, excellent. I'll come back to Bumble in a minute. So do you use the dating website or the apps or both? 
the app. I don't think Hinge has an actual website that you can use from the computer. Everything is just done from the phone. And yeah, you know, it's all swiping. The bad thing about online dating is you have nothing to judge except how people look. And when you meet people organically and get to know their personality, people get better looking when they're fun, when they have great personalities and things like that. So to have to judge just by someone looks like, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And my dog agrees. (laughs) Smart dog. I interpreted that to be people see better than they think. So I'm going to come back to your dating apps. Yeah, Bumble has found success by marketing itself as a friendlier platform for women and with features like the fact that women have to make the first move, like with mm-hmm. messaging. And of course, the Bumble CEO, she was a former Tinder executive who sued them for sexual harassment in 2014. So yeah, I found it quite interesting that Tinder launched the Men Improvement Initiative aimed at minimizing harassment. Has that been your experience at all? I have found that a lot of men are much more forward in terms of what they want when they don't want something long-term or something serious. So that's pretty obvious right away. And then I'm like, bye-bye. When I was in my 20s and early 30s, I was married. I got married when I was 36. And that lasted for 11 years all in. Before that, I lived in New York. It was fun, you know. I met people in person. I had other elements of dating. And did I have my fun and my one night stands and yada, yada, yada? Yeah, I did. And it was great fun. It was a great experience. That's not what I'm looking for now. When I see that, I just know that I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to berate the people. Why bother having that conversation? It serves no end. And you're just lengthening the suffering of dealing with this person. So you just kind of end it. Wow, that was wise woman wisdom right there. So tell us a little bit about your dating experience. What was the good? What did you really enjoy and appreciate? I always loved meeting people. So for me, you know, I'm obviously a fairly outgoing and it's always fun meeting people. I've met people who are in related businesses. I've done business with people who, I've met. I'm a, you know, there are so many different segments of sexuality now. There's not just heterosexual and homosexual. There's, I call myself a heterosexual sapiophile because I'm all about brains. And a sapiophile alone doesn't care about the sex. It's all about how smart they are and, you know, things like that. I prefer men. I am not attracted to women in a sexual matter. Not that there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I have friends who are lesbians and bisexual and there's transsexual and, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm not going to mention because I can't remember them all. And there is room for all of us. And it's all about happiness with someone's heart. I feel you want to be attracted to, for me, it's being attracted to the person's brain as well as the person's body and a lot of levels. So that's kind of what I look for. There are people who misrepresent themselves. And there are people who are incredibly smart. I dated a guy who was probably the handsomest man I have ever seen. We would walk down the street and women would stop him just to say, oh my God, you're the handsomest man I've ever seen. Guy had no game. And he admitted it. I'm all about banter. 
and fun. I have a company called the Playful Mind Project. If you're not going to play with me, I'm going to get bored, you know? And he even said, I never had to develop that sort because, you know, women just would flock to him. We are still friends. It didn't work out because I got a little bored. I totally relate. I totally relate. I need engagement. I need someone who can have a conversation. I need someone who can appreciate the beauty in the world. And I really am a very curious person. So I'm not boring, but I also need engagement. Someone who's consciously evolving and growing into their best self. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. And that's what attracted me. The guy that I'm dating now, we were both attracted to each other physically. We actually spoke on the phone for a week before we met each other. We were on the phone for at least an hour a day. And I'm like, I love this guy already, you know, and it's been a little over two months, you know, where kind of seeing where it goes. It's, I don't love the instant relationships where people go in and, and see each other four or five days a week, because then I find in my experience, this may not be with the everyone, I have found that you're concentrating more on the physical and you're so relieved at finding somebody that you don't give it a chance to develop organically to see what red flags come up. And you, to, and especially if you sleep together too quickly, you gloss over what the red flags are. And you think, oh, it's not so bad when all of a sudden you're in it for four or five weeks and it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And you could have saved yourself a lot of ajita just by getting to know the person. And that's kind of what he and I are doing now. Really good points there. You know, my first husband, I was widowed at 27. He always said, from love, friendship can grow. From lust, you've got nowhere to go. (laughs) Oh, amen to that. You know, I think sometimes people are driven by their hormones and a ticking clock and that type of thing. But, you know, you have a marriage and and a child. You're in for a long haul. Best be someone you can play with, laugh with, cry with. And, you know, I don't care if I get married again. I want to be able to wake up with my best friend. I want to sleep with him. I want to talk to him. I want to play with him. I think there are so many levels to relationships. And I want to be able to be there for him when he is not at his best. And at the same time, I want to have that vulnerability and trust where I know he will do the same for me. As much as I'm all about a positive mindset, There is such a thing as toxic positivity because you're flushing your feelings or, you know, dropping them down because you feel like, oh my God, I have to feel great all the time. No, feel your feelings. There are days when I'm a little bit depressed. I start spinning. I'm in my head. And I would like my partner to be able to say, okay, what do you need from me? Do you need me to listen? What can I do? And even if it's, I just need you to leave me alone for a while. Okay. Wow. And that's that's both ways. You're the woman with the wisdom. You are rocking the space. And I think you make some valid points because what I might have wanted in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s is not what I'm going to want post 50. And then when we look at the advances in health tech and quality of life and the longevity economies, the research is telling us we might live to 125, 130. That's my plan. (laughs) If you don't have a person who's going to evolve with you, You've got an anchor. You've got, you know, you've got troubles. and There has to be respect. And I'm lucky enough that he and I are in different businesses, but they are similar enough that we can help each other, make suggestions, give feedback, call each other on our crap. That's a big one. 
you know you're doing this. You know you're being a victim. Crap, crap, you're right. Okay, okay. Let's revisit that and talk from a different angle. And it doesn't always feel good. It feels great once you're over that momentary realization that you are going into a mode which doesn't serve you, you know? And there is a point where the initial passion is going to fade and you're left with the heart and soul of the other person. And you need to know that it can be lasting through that friendship. And there's the level of love there that is, I lost the word, but you know, yeah. And it's not that lust that is at the beginning of most relationships. So it's just a, a deeper acceptance of the good, bad, and the ugly. You make some really valid points. I would just expand on that. I hope I get this right. I think it was Dr. John Gray of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I think in his research, he said most women leave because they're bored. They're needing, as you rightly put, someone to play with, engage with. And we're also, we're sexual beings through to 100 plus. So mm-hmm. it doesn't nec- that might fade, but it can be re-engaged and reinvigorated. Absolutely. For fun or for play, fun, or just, you know, it keeps us healthy. It's part of our well-being to be Absolutely. sexually active. And for some of us, that's with a, a consciously chosen partners. For other of us, it's many engagements in different levels and different ways. It's choice-driven. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, a lot of women that I know of, if they say they get bored, it's because they are putting all their eggs in the other person's basket. It's up to you to make yourself happy. And when my guy is feeling crappy, I feel bad that he's feeling bad, but I'm not going to lower my emotional state because he's in that emotional state. I will do all I can to help bring him up or leave him alone or, you know, whatever he wants. And it's up to us to make ourselves happy. That's why we need our own hobbies, our own enjoyments. I have a lot in common with him, but he has his own things and it's great. Have your own friends, have your own things. If you want to go play golf in the desert for the weekend with your buddies, go have fun. Tell me about it you know? And I think if there's enough differences that you can come together and share stories, that's what keeps the boredom at bay. When you can tell stories and enjoy entertaining each other and make suggestions and have specific dates. And now, you know, this past year has been horrifying in terms of being able to do things because everything's closed. So you have to look for ways to enjoy each other's company, whether it's cooking together, whether it's watching movies and being inventive together. It's something you can figure out together. And all the better if it's a man who's willing to be inventive and engaged (laughs) Yeah, as well. And you also have to be careful. As an alpha female, I need an alpha male. And you have to make sure that that alpha is not a total narcissist where he makes you all about his life. They have to be able to take a step back and encourage your life as well and even balance. If they have enough self-respect and self-esteem to say, okay, this is your area. I want you to shine. And I can very easily take a step back and say, you go do this. You, you know, be famous, be, you know, do your thing. That's where a lot of magic can come in because we both take turns being the one who can drive the relationship. Good point. Good point as well. I think this is a good spot to just bring up 
no thanks to Disney, but often us women are looking for Prince Charming, which, by the way, secret thoughts here, I believe he's the man that never grows up, the perpetual uh, Adeline, Adeline, yeah. Um, when we really should be looking for a king, the man who is evolving, who is fulfilled in himself, has a robust life, yeah. and is looking for someone not to run his life and mother and baby and but complement his life, a companion. I don't know how many men are in that, but then I'm no princess. I'm the queen of my world. But, you know, Prince Charming, ladies, heads up, that's often a man, an adolescent disguised in a man suit. I agree. And these men tend to want to date women who are much younger because they're afraid to be challenged by someone their own age and their own intellectual capacity. Now, granted, there are exceptions. Look at George Clooney. His wife is awesome. In a way, there are other women like that. I'm not, this is a very blanket statement, so I'm not saying everyone, but when I was younger and we would date men who were beautiful, but not as intellectually, what's the word? They're just not up to my level of uh, what I'm looking for. We used to call them shut up and come here's. <laughs> oh my gracious. You're very pretty. Shut up and come here. That is not lasting. I've also, I haven't hooked up with, hooked up is, is the wrong word. I haven't connected with a lot of men who have very young children because they often say that on their sites. But I have seen 56-year-olds, 62-year-olds. I have a six-year-old daughter. I have an eight-year-old daughter. Because they marry women much younger than them who want kids and there's not enough in common. And the relationship breaks up. I'm thrilled that they're happy with their kids. I never want to judge them in that way, but I think they're going to be hard pressed to find someone who is over 50 who wants to start with a six-year-old kid. Yeah, we know who gets caught with the babysitting and the doctor's visits and the dentist and all that. Exactly. Exactly. I've seen another trend, and that's where men as young as 30, 35 have on their profile, they're looking for women like 50 to 90. And I've been approached by a few of those when I was briefly on a dating site. And basically, they want to come home from work, they want to have their dinner, and then they want to chat on the phone because they're lonely. Mm -hmm. And the women that are over 50 to 90 plus are great conversationalists. They know how to listen. They're not asking for them to buy them bling or take them places. They're just enjoying the conversation. Mm -hmm. I was quite taken back by that. It was not something I saw coming. So... Yeah, you're off the dating sites now, but I'm going to ask you, tell us a story or two about your dating experiences in terms of the weird or the wacky. Well, I will say that I have had a lot of 27 to, I did go out with one guy who was 41. I said, okay, he's over 40. We'll give it a shot. But there were too many differences and I had to hold up the conversation a lot more than I really wanted to. And I knew that these 27 year olds, I just didn't. I couldn't do it. I have a niece who's 27. I want to fix them up with her. I don't want to go out with them. You know, I have a story where I went out with a guy who had pictures on his site where he didn't show any teeth. He was nice looking enough. And a lot of men smile without, you know, like this. So they don't show teeth. And when I met him, he had like seven. And I don't know if he was a meth addict. I don't know what it was. I think the date lasted about 15 minutes. So that was just really bizarre. And I, I didn't like that at all. I've gone out with guys who I like athletes because I'm an athlete. And when they show up, they're in like crappy gym clothes that are not matching. And if they 
showered, it was lucky. I'm like, wow, you're impressive. So that did not go over well. A lot of men misrepresent themselves. Look, people lie about their age. You know, three to five years, I can deal with it. 10 years, not so much. I went out with a physician who I knew his hair was dyed. For some reason, men have, I don't know if they don't listen to a hairdresser or do it at home, but they will use like black or very dark brown thinking that that's the way to go. And I'm the first to admit, I dye my hair. I've been going gray since I was 13. So it's a genetic thing. Most people don't realize it, but now the world knows and I'm okay with that. So I had gone out with this guy and we're having dinner and I knew he was a little older than what he said. But when he told me he was 10 years older, my filter was totally gone. I kind of went, 10 years, you know, and I screamed it out. We're in this restaurant. Oops. My first thought was, if you're going to lie that much, what else are you lying about? If he had told you he was 10 years old, you've still gone on the date? Like if you'd known that, would you still have dated him? No, because he was older than I wanted to date. So I think this was back when this was three or four years ago and he was 65. And that was just, it was just too big a difference. The people in my family live well into their 90s. And I would like someone who was close to my age or, you know, a couple of years ago, within a five-year span, one way or the other, I just, that I'm more comfortable with that. And he was way over that. Is there any culture shock being coming from the East Coast to the West Coast? That's a really good point. Yes. I'm very straightforward. I can intimidate men because I do not change who I am. And a lot of men, I think here are expecting women to be... Now, I'm all women. I can be very soft and loving and all that. I think the men here expect the women to think everything they do is wonderful. I don't suffer fools easily. And if I'm not interested in you, I will say there's just no magic. I'm just not feeling it. Whereas a lot of women will say, oh yeah, call me and give them a wrong number or they'll ghost them or whatever. I just think that is so rude and disrespectful. I don't want that. And I don't, you know, why would someone else want that? It's bravery. Have some courage and just say what you mean. And so, as yeah. well. so that's what I have found the biggest thing is when I tell them I'm a New Yorker, they're like, they get a little scared. That's really interesting. I very briefly, December 2019, went on a dating site and I ended up finding it was mostly therapy chat. Like a couple of chaps I met for a coffee were still talking about a spouse from 12 years earlier or seven years earlier. Yeah. So I very gently said, you're very terrific or I wouldn't have met you for coffee, but you might actually need a therapist, not a dating site. Mm-hmm. One took it well. The other one thought I was off my rocker which was fine because, you know, I was just saying, this is not for me. And he's like, why? I think you're fabulous. And I'm like, well, I don't do therapy. (laughs) But I had another date. I was actually quite taken with this chap. He was a real gentleman. He opened the door. He treated me like a lady. We had coffee. He was from Europe. And we got chatting and we got onto a topic because I'm very curious and uh, I have a doctorate. So there's a lot of things that I study and I, I like talking on that level. And he was very well educated, except when I said I had been curious to look at something just briefly, but was going to go check back. I'm sorry, I can't think what it was. But he told me, you will not be doing that kind of thing because you do not need to be doing that kind of thing. And he'd gone and got himself a second coffee. I had not had a second coffee 
So I politely kept talking with him until the end of his coffee. And then I said, thank you for meeting me. It's been a pleasure to meet you. And he's like, when can we see again? And why are you leaving? I'm enjoying this. And I said, well, actually, I'm not. And I've enjoyed this much. And this is as far as I'm going. And he was really shocked. And I was Mm. like, why would I waste your time? But more importantly, who do you think you are to tell me what I can think and be curious about? Like I was studying a cult or something. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, sorry, that kind of control is not really welcome in my life. And not being able to have conversations that are on the edge or to be curious about things. But no, he was shutting me down. It was like he'd taken ownership and I was polite. I waited till he finished his coffee and then I'm like, it's been a pleasure to meet you, but this is as far as we go. And he's like, you can't leave. I'm still enjoying talking to you. And I'm like, watch me. Went out the door. Yeah. I mean, why would I want to waste his time? And more importantly, why would I hand over control? Right. He's that controlling within two cups of coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm really curious because Tinder's introduced something called Noonlight, a service for when a date goes wrong, you can get hold of emergency services. Do you have any advice or wisdom about what to watch out for or lessons learned that you might like to share, Rona? I would say that, well, I think that's always a great thing to to have backup. You always want to meet people in a setting where there are people around. Mm. You know, that's the number one thing I've had. You know, why don't you come up to my place and we'll have a drink? I don't know you. I'm not going to your house. So that's the number one thing. If you're going to meet someone and it's harder now with COVID, I do coffee dates, but it's always outside and we're sitting on a bench at least six feet apart, you know, that sort of thing. And just make sure that you take your time getting to know the person before you jump into bed, go somewhere private, because there are stalkers, there are wackos who are fantastic at gaining your trust and then doing something bad. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer was a pretty boy, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. What about the trends in dating? I've noticed there's now digitally mediated tourism encounters, like this term is site matching. Like, what's the most interesting date you've been on? I actually haven't had a site matching. I'm not familiar with that. I'm trying to think the most, well, obviously the man I'm dating now is the most interesting man that I've met. I adore him. So, you know, and I don't know if it's going to work out, but I am self-aware enough to be able to open my heart and hope it does. And I'm okay if things work out great. If they don't, it's always, you know, better to have loved than the lost kind of thing. In terms of a site match, there are, what's the... It's about sightseeing and meeting up with people where you're sightseeing. It's okay. kind of a new um, thing. But, okay. you know, nobody meows, nobody traveling and, you know. <laughs> that, I, maybe that's why I haven't. I think it was I, something I that was coming it. out late 2018, 2019. Late I'm 2019. Not, okay. But, I'm not familiar with it. It's probably a great thing because, again, you would meet someone who you might not never have met. You certainly have travel in common and why not? You can always meet new friends. I'm always up for meeting new new friends. And I've met some wonderful ones who I'm still friends with. So why not? Give it a shot. I'm never someone to say never on something. If you've never tried it, we all have what I call a circle of comfort. In order to make that circle of comfort larger, take a risk. Great you know? wisdom. And I think a lot of the over 50s, they're really missing their travel and getting out and about. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And of course, the majority of the population, I mean, I think 
often people think because you're over 45, 50 that you're not dating, but it seems like it's <laughs> so wrong. Well, exactly. Yeah. People are married for a reason, a season, and a lifetime. And sometimes, like me, I got widowed at 27, so I know the gift is in today. It doesn't necessarily promise you tomorrow, does it? No. No, and take advantage of every moment you have, appreciate every moment you have, and try to stay present. And I'm guilty of this. I can be in my head, and that causes stress. You know, you have replays and imaginings, and no matter what you are thinking might happen, what the other person is thinking, 99.736% of the time, it's not true. So you have to take a step back when you realize that you're stressing about something and say, this is a thought. And this thought is just a thought. It's not true. So Rona, what's your dating tips? Okay. I wrote these down. So the first thing is be your authentic self. Never try to be what a man wants. That's being codependent and you'll never be happy. Women tend to be all gooey eyed and think, like I said, everything a man does is fabulous, et cetera, et cetera. No, let them know who you are from the get-go. The ones who appreciate you because of that will be the ones who ask you out again. That's what happened to me. Number two, don't play down your intelligence. I can be smart, I can be funny, and I can be feminine. So we women are incredibly talented. Be everything. Make sure they live up to your standards. As a woman, I know I'm the prize. And that's what a lot of women forget. That, oh, I hope he likes me. I hope I like them. Granted, there are, there's compromise in every relationship and you have to be open to changes and things like that. That's what life is. You have to be open to life's up and downs. And as long as you are authentic and you, you'll be fine. I already said this one that I'm an alpha female and I want an alpha female who appreciates and is confident enough to allow me to be myself and to shine. Again, many alpha males are a bit self-centered and narcissistic. I have my moments as well. And if you call them on it and they call you on it, it lets each other know that you can't get away with it and they'll appreciate it. I call my guy on his stuff all the time. And trust me, he does the same thing. You're forced to realize a weakness, a bad habit, whatever you want to call it. And it helps you grow. So I think it's a great thing for it to be brought to your attention. If you are truly involved in wanting your other half to shine, You do it for all the right reasons, not to put that person down. Make sense? And then be playful. Banter makes for great flirting. It's one of my standards to see if I want to be with that person. It shows higher intellect and intelligence and being present. Because when you banter, you have to be present to really listen to what the other person's saying. And if I'm playing with you, it means that I like you. That is so fabulous. And, you know, I think Clay is your middle name. Would you like to share about your work, Rona? Absolutely. I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called The Playful Mind Project, and it's playfulmindproject.com. We help stress and overwhelm that comes from now. We're really concentrating on working from home. We work with remote workers on our business-to-business side because they're dealing with overwhelmed from kids and from taking care of parents and their other half, et cetera, et cetera. And we also have a business to consumer side where we work with people who just need a break from being a mom, a 
being that person who everyone depends on. And those are one-on-one. We concentrate on purposeful and attuned play. And it's theory and science-backed, and it can help everyone. We actually have a section that is coming up that will shift your relationships so that you are able to have more resilience and more trust and vulnerability to listen to your business partner, to your loved ones. You know, it's relationships of all kinds. So we offer so many different things, but it's all about shifting your mindset, shifting your life viewpoint, because a playful mind is a happy mind. Once you shift your mindset to more of a playful attitude, you see the world in a whole new way, and it just makes life much more fun. And who doesn't need more fun? It's also said laughter is the best medicine. So Absolutely. I love what you do and your place in the world. Thank you, Rona. Thank you. That is wonderful. And I really this appreciate, has been awesome. appreciate you sharing here as well. Thank you. Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections.